to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets splintered? You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. She can stop the rage. That isn't cranberry sauce, Hardy. That is not cranberry sauce. Whatever it is that gives the dead the appearance of life. It is not the appearance of life. It is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Get me back! Get me back, my head! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. All right, everybody, we are back. Retro Bled, J.A. Allison, James Klein. And we are here to let our 80s hair out, our demon faces out. We are rocking at local high school gyms to turn all these kids into our demons. We are the Retro Blood. We are Black Roses. Is. Black Roses. What a movie this was. What what a movie. And, and you know that's what... Uh popular bands do right they start their tour at high school gyms yeah yeah so that's 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 of course an obvious thing right yeah of course you know you you do you do an album a studio album you get (laughs) it you get it released everywhere and your first tour dates will be of course at a local high school gym duh (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's what we do but everybody we'll be talking about black roses this is going to be rounding up our november uh month and what a jam-packed month it's been in november um, but before we get going, I just want to let you guys know a couple things about some shows, uh, coming up. Uh, we are going to be in December doing our Christmas specials because here at the Retro Blood, we love Christmas horror movies. So the whole month of December, we are going to be doing only Christmas style horror movies to everybody. And boy, what a list that we got. We have... Silent Night, Deadly Night, number one, which is an oh, yeah. all-time classic when it comes to movies. We also have Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, which is a very interesting movie. Um, I'll have a lot of thoughts on that one. We have a a really weird movie coming up, uh, Blood Beat, which is like, I it, it has like a Christmas part to it, but it's like, it just so happens to be Christmas probably in this one. And then, of course, we're going to round out Christmas the 2021 Christmas with, of course, Christmas Evil. So come join us this holiday season. The Retro Blood. We'll be talking all about these Christmas horror movies. Uh, we're going to have a lot of good background when it comes to metal during that time. Uh, we're going to have a background when it comes to some pro wrestling during that time as well. So it's going to be a very, very fun adventure. So everybody look for those coming this December. But let's get back to some of this Black Roses Madness. Now we are going to be getting into some of the metal because uh, this this movie had a lot of tie-in with a lot of like bands during this era, and you know horror movies. So it's kind of like a good blend of both of them. So we're going to be talking about that soon. But I thought first we can kind of get into um, some of the wrestling that happened around this time. So so this movie is kind of weird because it's our first um, review of a movie that didn't come out in theaters. It came out on VHS. So it didn't really have like a release date. So the only thing we could find that it got released on December of 1988 during this time. 
So actually, it it was originally supposed to be in theaters in the, in, in the, the fall time, but I guess it got pushed back to VHS. I guess I guess our boy uh, Damien he couldn't get the uh, he couldn't get his uh, um, cheetah crotch to be uh, plastered all over the mega make, make screens during this time. Nope. Yep. But we'll talk a little bit about the wrestling right now. So on in December of 1998, we did have a couple other wrestling events going on. Of course, Starcade was during that time. But since we kind of already did Starcade in our Thanksgiving episode, Blood Rage, everybody check it out. Uh, I thought we would talk about another card that happened during this time, Super Clash 3. This happened on December 13th, 1988, Chicago, Illinois. Yes, we're back in Chicago at the UIC Pavilion. So this was the famous show, if you remember, Allison, that this is like kind of during the time where WWF was like hot and uh, Jim Crockett promotion was, you know, they were kind of winding down a little bit, but they were still pretty hot too. But we had some outside organizations that weren't so hot during this time. As in the AWA, which half of the mega stars of the AWA went to either, mostly went to WWF, and then a couple of them went to WC, uh, w, uh, you know, Jim Crockett promotions. And then this is also, too, when we have WCCW, the um, the territory out of Texas. And they decided to cl- um, clash on the show together to show that these two wrestling companies are still strong by doing a really big pay-per-view. Of course, it didn't really work out too well that way. <laughs> but they were kind of like, this is kind of like what would be a, a, a lighter indie scene during this time. Because in this era, we only had like kind of like two major um, wrestling organizations, WWF and Jim Crockett. But WWF on this time was just like out this world. Like it was just beating everybody by miles. But And we didn't have a, such a strong like indie scene. We had like these local territories, but they were pretty much dying off during this time. Mm-hmm. So did you watch any AWA or WC, WCCW? No. I When I was growing up here, you couldn't see that because... Um, the way the territory system worked. Of course, I, I guess we should maybe explain that a little bit to our listeners who probably don't watch wrestling yeah. or follow wrestling. So, like back then, so wrestling back then in the '80s and the '70s and was not like it is now. So you couldn't just turn on USA on Monday night and watch Monday Night Raw for three hours and be bored. Yep. You had um, <laughs> you had um, every little area had its territory. So, like the North Carolina area where I area where I live was basically Jim Crockett promotions and they ran shows typically through, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, maybe parts of Georgia and then lower Virginia. Um, so back down in Texas, down near Dallas, they had WCCW, which ran around Dallas Garland. Um, I guess Northern Texas area in general. And they had those and the AWA ran up, uh, was it AWA up in Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. So they, so basically that happened because, of a, an agreement made with the National Wrestling Alliance or when the NWA was formed that they wouldn't, all these promoters wouldn't step on each other's businesses and take away money from each other. And they would just operate in their own little bubble. And everybody was happy for years until basically Vince McMahon broke that code and started and became probably the first national federation. Yes. So basically, when I was growing up, to sum all that up, is I wasn't able to watch AWA and WCCW because it was out of my territory, so to speak. Yes. 
Um, and then we also have another territory. Well, the one I kind of grew up in, I guess, would be Florida Championship Wrestling, which that oh, one yeah. kind of still was kind of like a still going until it eventually had its demise, demise as well. But this particular show we have, it was pretty much, um, uh, it was pretty much labeled mostly from AWA, which is the American Wrestling Association. Uh, but it did have some help from WCCW. So they kind of like had like a like a group meeting decides like, you know, who the winner is and they try to unify the belts. So this is like their their um their foray to try to get some pay-per-view vibes and get some some recommend um some recognized on on brother companies to show that they could be pay-per-view jaws. It just didn't necessarily work out, but we'll talk about the card though. So it's gonna be a very interesting card. So we start off with Chavo Guerrero. Now it's not Chavo Guerrero Jr., this is the senior Chavo Guerrero. And Hector yep. Guerrero and Mando Guerrero, they defeated, of all people, Cactus Jack and the Rock and Roll RPMs, Mike Davis and Tommy Land, brother. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with either one of those. I don't know Tommy Lane or Mike Davis, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not sure about them either, but boy, I bet you they had mullets. To I bet they were going to go see Black Roses live in concert. They were ready. Oh, <laughs> oh, this was a mullet fest. I mean, I know all the I know all the Guerreros had mullets. Yes, and of course the Guerreros um, out there, everybody. They're a very famous wrestling family who obviously was actually from El Paso, um, Texas during this time. A lot of them, you know, obviously came from Mexico too, but a lot of them lived in El Paso. And this is obviously where Eddie Guerrero is family lineages during this time as well. Yeah, they were Eddie Guerrero's brothers, right? Yes. Yeah. During this time. And then, of course, Chavo Guerrero Jr. is uh, the son of Chavo Guerrero. So we've seen him on a couple of WWF programs as well. But the Guerreros are definitely, they, they kind of toured all around. Like, they would go to different territories. They, they, they were probably the... Um, the group that came out of WCCW because they, they all three of them wrestled in WCCW during this time. But very interesting match also to Cactus Jack, obviously, is during this time, he was probably just breaking his foot into the wrestling industry. Um, so I know I know he actually worked for the AWA probably during this time. So it's very obviously Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, has become one of the most recognizable pro wrestlers of all time. But it's really cool to see him like in this car, like opening match, you know, during this time. And, you know, I don't think he was as crazy um doing some of his bumps during this time but you could definitely tell that this guy had something you know throughout the years he mostly made his name in the in the 90s but it's cool to see him back over here in the 80s yeah he might have still been cactus jack manson at this point yeah he could have been yeah it... so the next match we got if there ever was a uh, a barn burner uh, to get people in the building we have eric Embry. he defeated jeff jarrett to win the WCWA World Light Heavyweight Championship. And the WCWA is what the WCCW's belts are. The, the names of their belts. So, of course, Jeff Jarrett, we all know he's a, you know, Jerry Jarrett. He's a big promoter. He's a promoter's son, Jeff Jarrett, during this time. So, it's very interesting that uh, since we had a bunch of promoters over here, that Jerry Jarrett was like, yeah, yeah, I'll have my son lose. We'll give, we'll give this Eric Embry guy the good old win over here. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny that that so Jeff so Jeff's like 21 years old yeah. when he's going into this match, so he's young. Um, but so when you hear Jeff talk about his dad now, he talks about how his dad never put him over and you know put everybody over top of him. But I mean, Jeff was a champion going into this. Yeah, 
Um, but then uh, I guess we got during Eric the big Emery matches, going he going over him though. Yeah, I guess during the big matches he would lose and stuff. So up next we got the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, the Boogie Woogie Man. He defeated Wayne Bloom. Do you have any good Wayne Bloom uh, stories there, Allison? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I, I do have a lot of Jimmy, not a lot of Jimmy Valiant stories, but I remember Jimmy Valiant coming to Crockett Promotions here and wrestling. He was always really cool, really inter- entertaining. So I was actually hoping you could tell me about Wayne Bloom because apparently his son is in NXT. Um, yeah, I think so. Let's Cal, see. Cal, Cal Bloom. I'm not really familiar, honestly, with Wayne Bloom at all. Um, he was part of that. Um. The Five Blues Rujo's brothers, I think it was. Hmm, okay. And let's see. Oh, no, no. Well, he was the Destruction Crew. Uh, yeah, he was part of the Destruction Crew uh, with uh, Mean Mike uh, Enos during this time. Uh, let's see. I want to see who his son is. The only thing I know is his, his son's name Cal Bloom, and that he's in. He's signed with WWE in 2019, but I, I didn't really find out who he was though. Yeah, I don't think we've seen. I don't know if he made his um, debut on NXT or not because I don't remember him either. But you know, they always change everybody's name, so it's kind of like hard to follow him unless they say who it was. Uh, but he could have been somebody that got cut because that that does happen. But. Anyway, the match was only like 24 seconds. I think we talked about it longer than the match was. <laughs> anyway, we have the Ice King uh, Parsons. He defeated Brickhouse Brown to retain the World Class Texas Heavyweight Championship. So, yep, Brickhouse Brown. I've heard. A, I've never seen him wrestle, but I've heard a lot of really good things about him. Yeah, I've heard. I heard he's pretty good as well too. Uh, and. Uh, I did just find out. Uh, we got breaking news. I did just find out something. What? So Cal Bloom is Von Wagner. Oh shit! That's right. <laughs> that's who that motherfucker Frank St- Frankenstein guy was. I knew his. Yep. I that's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, I bet that motherfucker is Rang Ra- uh, Von Wagner. And yeah. So for updated people who actually still watch wrestling in 2021, Von Wagner is on NXT 2.0. And this dude, his big thing is that he's big, and he kind of looks like a he kind of looks like um like a like a Frankenstein type of like wrestler dude. He has like this long blonde hair and stuff. You know, what he actually kind of looks like a little bit. If 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 Buffalo Bill from the Science of Lamb was jacked, he would look exactly like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should be his gimmick. He should be like a serial killer gimmick. He would be better than the. Uh, the guy that paints, what's it, uh, the serial killer they have now? Oh, Dexter Loomis? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would be better at that job than He would him. be better. But anyway. Yes. That's it. He should be the, <laughs> he should do the gimmick. Put the lotion on the skin, brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next up in this intense card, we have Bad Company. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's an 80s name if I ever heard anything. Bad Company. Like, your company's not good, it's bad, brother. It's bad, brother. It's Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond and Medusa. All right. With, oh, with our boy, Diamond Dallas Page. This is probably when he was a manager during this time. He was, yeah, he was still a manager then. <laughs> what did he defeated? Check this one out. The Top Guns. Derek Dukes. 
and Ricky Rice and Wendy Richter. What a what a card with that. Do you have any uh, good stories about Bad Company and Top Guns? Um, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I remember Pat Tanaka. I mean, I like Pat Tanaka. Okay. Yep. Um, Ricky Rice and Derek Dukes. I have no idea who these guys are. What about my I've boy never... Paul Diamond? Paul Diamond, I no. Paul Diamond gives me nothing. Um, Paul Diamond, yeah, no, nothing, nothing from that. Yep. His, These uh, must have been AWA guys. I mean, I knew who Wendy Richter is. I know who Medusa is because I saw Wendy Richter in WWF. She was at WrestleMania 1. Yep. And then Medusa, uh, obviously, she's really big in w- WCW, WWF. Uh, very famous women's wrestler. Very good women's wrestler. So apparently, Paul Diamond, he is best known for you know being in Bad Company with Pat Tanaka. And for his time in World Wrestling Federation has Kato, one half of the Orient Express. Ooh. Kato. Kato, brother. He's coming yeah. for you. But, of course, Diamond Dial's page, you know, during this time in the 80s, he was a manager, but obviously he would come on to be one of the most, uh, you know, recognizable figure in WCW during the Monday Nitro era. Mm-hmm. So. This would have been after he managed Scott Hall. Wasn't Scott Hall the Diamond Stud, and he yeah. was the manager? I think of the this. Stud I think yet. this is like, because I think they did that mostly in the '90s, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he was about to be the Diamond Stud's manager because he did that in WCW um, mm-hmm. after Turner took it over for a little bit. Before Scott Hall became um, Razor Ramon. Yeah, before he yeah he, okay. yeah he did All the right. Diamond Stud gimmick before he did the Razor Razor gimmick. Okay. So, uh, up next we have. Very interesting wrestler, Greg Gagne. Greg Gagne. He defeated Ronnie Garvin, which we talked about last time on the podcast over here, um, by countout. So this is where it really wears. Check this out. They Greg Gagne won. He defeated Ron Garvin by countout to win the AWA International Television Championship. So very rare that we would have somebody be counted out to to win a title. You know, yep, usually you can't do that. It's against the rules. Yeah, well, I mean, but then, then again is, we know that because of WWF. You know, because obviously WWF has always had that rule. Oh, you can't win on the disqualification. You can't win on the count You don't win the belt. So they always use that, like, they always use that crutch for, like, not trying to pin somebody or trying to look somebody like to be weak. But, you know, a lot, of other, a lot of other federations during this time probably had that rule in there. Like, oh, yeah, if you get town out, that means you fucking lost. That means you're a coward. You couldn't get back in the ring. Or you got beaten down so bad that you couldn't make it back into the ring. So right. I'm surprised that um, um, a- uh, AEW won't do that. But, you know, that, that might be a good idea for some other fe- federations maybe to mix up the rules a little bit, you know. Just to yeah, get something well, this, AEW still has to have that crutch to, to lean on because otherwise they they would be beating people that they don't necessarily want to beat. although they beat people all the time that shouldn't probably be beat but anyway but like with that it's kind of interesting that you would bring that up that we know that because of the wwf and you're right like most of the rules that we think of today are because of our rules that wwf imposed um kind of like the uh like how AEW does the uh tv time remaining so if on their last match mm-hmm. if the tv show ends the match ends at that point 
Um, of course, I'm not sure how they declare a winner or if it's a disc- or if it's a no contest or whatever, but that's kind of weird. But yeah, they used to have different rules. So maybe back then in the AWA, if you were counted out, then you lose the title. Yep, that's what I'm guessing. Or they just made that rule for this particular show. They probably just didn't want to defeat Ronnie Garvin or defeat Greg Gagne. So they're like, oh, just count that motherfucker out. Give him the belt, brother. So check this one out. <laughs> so we talked about this before on our show. So during the 80s era of wrestling, you had, if you were from a foreign country, you were evil. Okay? If you're from Canada, you're evil. If you're from Japan or the Orient, you're evil. If you're from Russia, you're evil. Now we have this one. Check this one out, John. We have <laughs> the Syrian, the, the Syrian terrorist. The Syrian terrorist. The Syrian terrorist. My bad. The Syrian terrorist. They defeated Bambi and Brandy May and uh, Laura Lynn and Luna Vashon and Malibu and Nia and Peggy Lee Leather and Pocahontas in a street fight lingerie battle royal. Yes. So, there's a lot going on in this. <laughs> a lot going on in this one, bro. Holy shit. First it's of a, all, I so didn't know. It's not, not yeah. only is it a, so this is like a gimmick on a gimmick on a gimmick. So not yes. only is it a battle royal, it's a lingerie battle royal. But on top of all that, it's also a street fight lingerie battle royal. I didn't think they, I didn't think that like any promotion did lingerie battle royals except for WWF. This, but I guess not. I, I was shocked when I saw this. This must be, this is really... Uh, groundbreaking, if you will. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, back then, most, most, um, well, the way I think about it is like the WWF really started that uh, kind of cheesecake. Um, we don't care if the women can wrestle. If they just look like they could be on Playboy, we'll just put them in lingerie and that's good enough kind of mm-hmm. thing. But like, this is like a really early version of this. I wonder if the show is on YouTube. Um, I think it might it be. Is. I think they put this one on uh, the WWE Network too, but I'm not exactly sure if that transitioned over to Peacock or not yet. But what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to find this particular match, and maybe if I find it, I'll upload it to the Facebook group page so everybody can check this out because I kind of want to watch it myself too just to see what the hell's going on over here. What the hell's going on? There's a whole lot of problematics in this. I can tell you already without watching it. Yeah. But, I mean, so – and also not only were was every foreigner evil, but if you had brown skin – you are basically a terrorist. Yes. So I'm not sure who the Syrian terrorist is, but I guarantee you she had brown skin. Yes. Some I mean, she may not one. even be Syrian or Middle Eastern. She could have been like a Mexican wrestler they brought in, but yeah. that's close enough for them. Yeah, it's close enough. Just slap the gimmick on her. All right. So up next, we have a... Uh, I'll probably This probably be one of the good matches to see on this show. So, so far, we got a couple of good wrestling matches on here, but so far, this, this card's like been a little lackluster for me. But this one seems pretty good. We have Sergeant Slaughter. He defeated uh, Kono uh, DeBears yeah. in a boot camp match. They so. might as well have called this like a gimmick infringement match because it's two guys with the same gimmick. Yeah. Essentially <laughs> fighting each other. Yeah, fighting each other and, and beating uh, each other's ass. I bet it was a pretty good match, though. You know, Sergeant Slaughter, obviously, during this time, it was huge, especially with the whole G.I. Joe um, connection. Yeah, and the fact that we were at this time, like I can remember specifically, like being like like terrorism and like Middle Eastern terrorism was like a huge thing. I think the Lockerbie bombing happened around that time, or around you know in that era, and um, like people were just Americans were just terrified of Middle Eastern terrorists. 
So, you know, so everything that was military was like super, super popular. Yeah. Because they were going to save us from the terrorists. Um, speaking of terrorists, though, ironically, that Colonel De Beers guy ended up joining the Aryan Nations and becoming a, a white supremacist terrorist. Just a side note. Oh, like for, for, for In real, real life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. What? <laughs> Damn, man. Yeah, he's paying so. his gimmick up. <laughs> Damn. All right. There you go. Uh, up next, we got the. We talked about these guys before. The Samoan SWAT team found two in Hell Samu yeah. with Buddy Rogers in their corner. They defeated, uh, if there ever was an 80s wrestler, this guy would be it. Michael P.S. Hayes and, yep. and, of course, our boy Steve Cox to retain. Steve Cox. Steve Cox, brother. Fucking main event anywhere in the country. To, to retain the world-class world tag championships, which was obviously from WCW. WCCW. Of course, the free um, Michael P. You know the um, the Freebirds were like a huge draw in WCCW. Their battles with Yvonne Eriks is probably what made the territory last as long as it did with those two oh, yeah. feuding. Um, have you ever seen ever those matches and stuff? Oh yeah, I mean not not obviously when they happened, but later on, yeah. The yeah. Freebirds versus the Von Eriks is like the classic feud. You know, like the. The, it, well, the good thing, the cool thing about it was that there were so many Von Erics, you could have a three-on-three, six-man tag team match. Yeah. There were three Freebirds, and it was always the problem, is, which is why they created the Freebird rule. Any two of them could defend the tag team championships at any time. Yep. But yeah, with uh, um, Michael Hayes, uh, um, uh, Bam Bam Gordy, who was the third one during this time? Oh, boy. What was his name? Like I know what he looked like. I just never made it. Buddy Ro- Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. His name is Buddy Roberts. Our boy Buddy Roberts. All right. And then of course everybody, if you're not too familiar with WCCW or the AWA, if you have the Peacock WWE Network, they had two great documentaries on both of the um, about the promotions, and it's definitely going on your way to talk. Um, they also go over the show as well too on there. Uh, but it's definitely pretty fun to watch and. You know, go back in history if you're not too familiar uh, with these two promotions. Um, but the next match we have, we have Wahoo McDaniel, which was a very good wrestler for his time. He defeated yeah. Manny Fernandez in a Indian strap match. I bet this match was a burner. Oh, I bet that was incredible. Yeah, Manny Fernandez and Wahoo. Yeah. I remember Wahoo. Wahoo was still around. Well, I, this is 89. Wahoo had to have been getting up there in 80. No, no, this is 88. Or ADH, excuse yeah. me. But yeah, I remember Wahoo being, um, uh, Wahoo was around in, in Jim Crockett promotions real early on, like 80, I think he was at the first arcade, like he was at like, they were like 83, um, at 485. I remember Wahoo being around at that time and, and I thought he was kind of old then. Um, but this is like a few years later, and he's still in Indian strap matches with Manny Fernandez. Manny Fernandez was also an incredible wrestler, too, from Texas. Yeah. So we're seeing where they're kind of like, this, the, I think this whole card just mixing promotions, like different wrestlers with different, you know, some WCC wrestlers all face the AWA wrestlers. So this would be like if like Impact uh, Wrestling was facing like Ring of Honor Wrestling. Kind of. Kind so, of. Kind yeah. of, yeah. So uh, the next match we have is I didn't realize this. I thought this was the main event of the show because this is the one that gets talked about the most. But you know, compared to this, it wasn't the main event, which is surprising to me. 
But this match is the one that had the most, I, I guess, kind of controversy to it. It was the King, Jerry Lawler. The AWA World Heavyweight Champion, he defeated Kerry Von Erich, the WCWA World Heavyweight Champion, by referee's decision to unify the championship belts. Now, if you remember, John, during this one, very early on in this match, Kerry Von Erich was bleeding. He was like bleeding through his mm-hmm. arm, and then later on he would bleed through his head. And, he, and then there was a couple things during this time where Kerry Von Erich wasn't he just wasn't in a lot of right mind space. I think this is actually after he had some of his um, leg problems with his ankle had to be where he had like the fake foot during this time as well. Yeah, I was gonna ask, had he already had his foot amputated? I think I think this is like when he when he had it around this time because he would. Okay. I think he would come from here. He would do a little bit more in WC sub WCCW. Then when they kind of were folding, then he would go to the WWF, and that's when a lot of his problems escalated. But this was like one of the most talked about matches of what to do from the two promotions. You know, a lot of them wanted to Jerry Lawler to win. A lot of them wanted to carry Von Erich to win. And they, none of them wanted to pin each other. <laughs> of course, we can't have none of our champions be pinned during this unification match. We, so they came up with the referee's decision on the stoppage. And I think during this time, too, um, it's either the WCCW didn't really pay Jerry Lawler or getting, they didn't like book him for any show, so they eventually just stripped him of the title uh, without um, Jerry Law actually even losing the title. So yeah. there's a, there's a lot of like like they, these promotions back in the day, since they were so territorial, they didn't want to work together. They were trying to work together to like like we said earlier, try to beat you know WWF mainly, but they just couldn't right, just, get along. That's just the way it was. Yeah, because I mean they would spent you know 50 years up to this point not get not not necessarily getting along but not getting along but getting along because they stayed out of each other's territory and now they're trying to run shows together and now also another thing to consider too is like this is running pretty much outside the territory of either one of these they went back to chicago again mm-hmm. which is the same mistake crockett made yep. when we talked about in our last episode when he ran starcade in chicago instead of running it at home you know, yes. they lost their asses on that, and then these guys lost their asses this time, too. But this is kind of weird. It is interesting that you would bring this up, because... So, why? How, where did this process fall apart? So, you're, you, ha- you decide you're going to have a title unification match, which means somebody has to win, and only one title will exist after, after, your, after the match is done, and the winner will hold it. But then, at some point, they, they must have decided they didn't really want to do that, I guess. Because then you then you you had this whole thing where nobody wanted their champion to, to lose. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's really weird that they would decide to do this. But this thing went for 19 minutes, which you know it's a hell of a match. I've seen this yeah. years ago. It's on YouTube. Uh, you should and people should watch it. It's a it's a really good wrestling match. Yeah, it's very good match. Yes, it's very good. Especially Jared Lawler. He was like on fire during this time. Yeah, just one of the best wrestlers of all time. Of all time. And then Kerry Von Eric, man, like you talk about this guy looked like he would be in Black Roses. He was fucking 80s <laughs> out too. I mean, you got the body dudes. But like, okay, so you have body guys like Ultimate Warrior, Hercules, uh, you know, like jacked up dudes and stuff. But this, this Kerry Von Eric was a jacked up dude, but he can go. Like when he was like yeah. straight headed and everything, and like he had Kermissa. This guy, Kerry Von Eric basically should have been a bigger star than he was. But, you know, we have a. He had a very tragic end with a lot of the Von Erics too. Um, another thing, you guys could check out the dark side of the ring about the Von Erics too. Um, yeah. If you want to check it out, their kind of backstory is very interesting. But 
Like, you very know, what a card. Yeah. Like, I mean, definitely during this card, I definitely would very be, be interested if we kind of lived around Chicago area. I'd be like, okay, there's a bunch of wrestlers that I don't really see a lot or they're all mixing together. It's, it seems like it'd be a very interesting card to go to. This oh, yeah, one. this would have been a great show. This would have been a great show to go to. So supposedly sure. the main event, at least that's what I'm looking over here in my paper, uh, it's the Rock and Roll Express, our boys Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson versus the Stud Stable. Jimmy Golden and Robert Fuller ended and yep. an, an all-star ending that uh, internet fans today would love. They'd be praising for it. They'd be on Twitter. They'd be on Instagram. They'd be on Facebook saying what a great finish this was. We had a double count brother. Yeah, I have double disqualification, for, but yeah, either way, either way, it's the same ending. Yeah, same ending. It's basically the same double DQ, double disqualification. But like, I mean, you could just tell during this whole show, countouts, stoppage, uh, uh, disqualifications. They very rarely did anybody even want to like lose. <laughs> That's yeah, a- no, nobody, nobody wanted their team to go over on the other team. I mean, I'm assuming. So the Rock and Roll Express, obviously, I know them from Jim Crockett Promotions. But at this point, I'm guessing they were working somewhere else. That's the only thing I can think of. And then I'm not real familiar with the stud table. I know who they are. I know who Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden are. But I'm guessing that this is from, this is a tag match from two different promotions. Um, The Rock and Roll Express were on fire, you know, in like the mid to late 80s. So that's the only reason I can think of two reasons this would have main evented over that Utah unification match. One, they, um, they thought, well, the Rock and Roll Express are the biggest thing in wrestling right now, so let's put them at the top, or they have been the biggest thing. Um, or somebody was late to the show. Yeah. Like somebody got there too late. Like maybe this was supposed to open the show, but the stud stable showed up late. Um, huh. I wonder if uh, – I bet you – I bet you I could tweet Ricky Morton and, I, and ask him. I bet he would answer me. Maybe we'll think- update the people later on. Oh, nice. Okay, you got. I didn't know you had uh, Ricky Morton on speed dial like that. I, I don't have. <laughs> I don't have him on speed dial, but he does answer tweets. Nice. So I'll send him a message to see if he'll answer it and find out why that headlined over the title unification match and see if he can remember anything about it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think so because this was a, this was a big show at the time. So, but uh, let's uh, let's uh, transition into some heavy metal, some. Hair, heavy metal, band thrash a little bit. We have a kind of kind of a mixed bag when it comes to Black Roses. Um, so Black Roses was actually uh, so it's like a fake band, I guess. By most of the band members were in King Cobra. Yeah, during this time. So because I was trying to do some research on the actual Black Roses band, but it's pretty. There's not. They don't. They're the only. CD they've released was the soundtrack to this movie. And yeah, they're not a real band. Yeah. But, I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of like Black Rose's band better than I did like that King Cobra. Yeah, King Cobra sucks. Um, I mean, th- so the problem with all these bands, and like this is, or not all of them, but a lot of them, is that, and this is like still right, right in your wheelhouse. This is like right at the end of the 1980s. Yeah. When all these bands have kind of become a parody of themselves, like all the really good bands had already been signed. So they were like trying to like drag up. They were trying to dredge up anybody who was left. So then you have like King Cobra. The only thing I remember King Cobra, they had this song called hunger or hungry or something like that. Um, yeah, I've, I've never liked this band at all. 
Yeah, I was in trying. Yeah, I was trying to listen to some. The only song I kind of like from him is the one they played it on this movie. Take it off, yeah, brother. Take it <laughs> off. <laughs> that was that yeah, was a good the, one. I like that one. That was like, yeah, yeah. I'd be rocking. I'd be rocking that in the Trans Am if I was going to the strip club that day, brother. I'd be like, yeah, brother, take it off. It'd be me and fucking Carrie Von Eric in the Trans Am. Yeah, brother. Get the get the um, groupies. <laughs> The be- biggest thing I know about King Cobra is their drummer, uh, Carmine Apice, yeah. he was in this band called Vanilla Fudge in the 60s, which was like this, um, they were like a, like a rock, like a 60s type rock band, but they played a lot of like R&B covers. Like there's a really famous cover of uh, uh, You Keep Me Hanging On. That's just fucking incredible. I mean, that's a it's a really good version. It's a really good song. But he was a drummer for that band, and then I guess he joined Ozzy Osbourne's band a little bit later, or yep. not a little bit later in the eighties. And then he joined. He started King Cobra because you know hair metal was a big thing, brother. So let's make some money and get paid. Yeah. Um. And then after that, he joined Blue Murder, which was John Sykes' band, um, which was also an incredible band. Anyway, by the way, but. Yeah, King Cobra sucks. I do like that band Lizzie Borden, though. Yeah, yeah, I was going to bring them up. So Lizzie Borden, that's they're a badass brand. Of course, on the soundtrack in this movie, they did the song Me Against the World, which was like yeah. the opening theme, which was like freaking awesome. So they, yeah, I mean, um, I wasn't too familiar with them. I think they had, um, what's like their popular track? Uh, well, Me Against the World is probably their most famous song oh, that okay. I can think of. Um, but they, um, I discovered them, I believe on the decline of Western civilization. Uh, there's a movie, I don't know if you ever seen it. If you haven't seen that, you need to see it. It's it's a movie called the decline of Western civilization part two. Mm-hmm. There's three of them now, but the first one was about the, it was a documentary about the punk rock movement in the late seventies or 1980, I think is when it was made. And then, um, then they made one in like 1987 or 88, which was about like the LA, like glam metal scene. Yeah. And they, they're in that and they're playing a song. And that's where I first heard them. Like I wouldn't consider them like a super popular band, but I just happened to hear them at the time and I thought they were good. And then I listened to them again for this, for this show. And I thought they were, I, I liked them. I mean, you know, I would listen to Lizzie Borden and the Trans Am as we're going to wrestling brother. Yeah. I definitely, uh, check them out too. It's kind of cool that they got their name too. From that notorious Lizzie Borden, um, who was accused and acquitted of murder in the 19th yep. century, so pretty cool. Um, I think that the the album, let's see, that they had during this time in 1988, uh, isn't it Visualize? I think so. Um, yeah, Visualize. Well, yeah, it was Visualize. I was thinking, but they released that like in 1987. So, but the song "Me Against the World" was on the soundtrack for Black Roses. So. But um, a couple, a couple other notes of the bands on here. So, uh, let's see. We had um, Tempest, with Streetlight Warriors. You have any stories about Tempest? I don't even know who that band is. Yeah, I've not, never heard of that band in my life. I'm not too sure who they are. Then we had David Michael Phillips, King of Cool. He's on that soundtrack too. Um, and then most of the songs are done by Black Roses, which. Half the members, like I said, were or in King Cobra, but like when I listened to like the Black Roses song, like Dance of Fire, Soldiers of the Night, uh, Paradise, like I kind of like them. Like they're kind of like just a little bit more rocky than some of the King Cobra um, music is. And what I'll try to do is like when I'm 
when we're going through some of the review, if if the music matches up with the scene that we're talking about, maybe I'll put in a couple of clips. And uh, but my favorite when I was listening to this album, because I couldn't really find it on like Apple Music or anything, but you can find it on YouTube. And of course, you know, buy the album, of course, to check it out. Because I might think about getting this one too, because there's some good songs on here. Um, my favorite so far when I was listening to it, besides the Lizzie Borden song, was uh, the, the Black Roses one was Soldiers of the Night. I really like yeah, that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good song. So that was that was really fun. But um, the next band I want to talk about, because this is more of like our area, more like a little more heavy metal, a little more thrash, was Hollow's Eve. They contributed a track on this album called D-I- D-I-E, Die. And Die. Have, you, have you heard Hollow's Eve before? Um, I don't, I can't really recall them. I, I, when I was looking this up, I was thinking their name sounded really cool and they probably were, sounded, they were probably a really cool band, but I didn't get a chance to look them up. But tell me all about Hollow's Eve though, uh, James. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, so Hollow's Eve is, they released their album during this time, uh, Monument. Uh, they released that a little bit earlier from this, when this movie dropped is on March 23rd, 1998, but they have a couple songs like Speed Freak, uh, Rock Gun, Painkiller on that album. And these Wait, guys. Hold on. Hold on. They have a song called Rock Gun? Yeah, Rot Gun. Oh, Rot Gun. Okay. I was about to say, that's still kind of cool, but yeah, yeah. Rock Gun. That's oh, not so Rock. Cool. Yeah, Rot. <laughs> <laughs> there probably anyway, is a song called anyway. Rock Gun out there, brother. It's probably from our boy Damien. <laughs> He's singing that shit. That's his solo debut when he yeah. was solo from the Black Roses. <laughs> but I never heard this band before, and when I was trying to do my research on this movie and this, like these guys are pretty good. Like they're pretty, like they're pretty heavy metal, like pretty, like kind of like very thrashy. They have a little bit of punk to them. They kind of remind me a little bit of, um, I wouldn't say Anthrax, but maybe some older Anthrax a little bit. So um, I'll see if I can post like a music video for them on the Facebook page. Um, you know, so everybody can check them out. But I thought they're pretty good. And like the the craziest thing is, like, there's like about ten tracks on here, and like all the tracks are kind of similar. Like they have like that very like catchy, you know, like you know, like um, soldiers of the night. Like we're like giving a, a lot of melody to our songs. These guys in Hollow's Eve, they're all like about the guitar. They're all about the thrash and this shit, like mm-hmm. the die and stuff. Like so, it was like you're listening to like this like like kind of like poppy rock. In a little way, you know, like kind of like that '80s hair, but they still have a lot of good tunes, a lot of good like tune style music. But then you go to Hollow's Eve, and it's just all like almost thrash during that time. So it's very, it's a very interesting mix of um of like different styles on this track. But everybody check it out if you can. The Black Roses soundtrack. Um, a little bit backstory. I mean, it got released. Um, it doesn't really say when this got released either. It just got released in 1998 by Metal Blade Records, and of course, you know, Metal Blade Records is still kicking today. So, oh yeah, and of course it was on the compact disc. So <clears throat> during this era, 1980, I would definitely would have p- picked up this compact disc. I would have popped it in. We'd be driving on a long way to Chicago to see Super Clash Three, and uh, once it got released, we would have had a mega party at our at our uh, mansion, uh, <laughs> full of <laughs> full of teenagers in high school that hope that are hopefully 18 at the time, and we would be popping in Black Roses. So, definitely, definitely fun. But everybody check this album out. Like I said, a lot of cool bands on here um, during this time. So, and it's, it, it kind of sads me a little bit because, like, 
even when I'm looking around like the history of uh, King Cobra and stuff, and there's more history about them that we're not going to really get too much into, but it's like they don't even like almost recognize some of these songs that they did for Black Roses. And it's kind of sucks because I actually like them better. But, you know, everybody has their own opinion. That's true. That's true. But everybody, let's get into let's get into the Black Roses. Let's make Blood City. It was the kind of place where nothing much ever happened. But the nightmare of every parent in town has just arrived. The disciples of the devil are invading our town and threatening to steal our children away from us. Turn up the power! Now here comes the biggest thing to hit Mill Basin ever, and they try to stop it. They don't understand what a great honor this is. They didn't have to pick Mill Basin for their first concert. I don't suppose there's any real harm to them. I haven't heard this song on their album before. Once their fears are laid to rest, the stage is set, the message given, the virus of evil turned loose. You know how to take care of your old stepdad, don't you? Yes, I do. Where have you been? I told you not to go out tonight. Did you go and see that show after I told you not to? I love you, Dad. Why do we have to study all these dead writers? I mean, there's a poet alive today who writes rings around him. Damien. I'm tired of living the past. I'm living now. I said I want you to write. brought you a present. My black flowers of evil. What in the hell is going on here? Flowers will ignite the flame of death. Get that man! 
my kids, you son of a bitch! Your kids? You had your chance. Now they're mine. Everything your parents ever told you about rock and roll just might be true. Black Roses, the hottest band this side of hell. Black Roses. All right, everybody, we are here. And this film, when we're watching it, it got released by Troma Team releases which which you know it's going to be anything that's a trauma release you know is going to be good yes it's going to be the wild of the toxic avengers yes. and sergeant kabuki man you know it's going to be good you know it's going to be some 80s cheese over here it's lovely mm-hmm. so we started off and like so i thought this was new york because they were showing us just a bunch of scenes of downtown area but apparently it wasn't they said it was like somewhere overseas so i thought it was toronto i thought they filmed this in canada so it probably was Toronto. I know. I just know. Like they, they said it was because when they came to this, you know, the band uh, Black Roses. When they come to the U.S., that was their first time coming to the U.S. But this was apparently, I guess, it's in Toronto. So to me, it looked like uh, downtown um, New York. But anyway, we see. Oh, that opening scene. Yeah, the yeah, opening yeah, scene. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. The opening scene. Yes. Yeah. So, that, that could have been overseas somewhere. Yeah. So we we start off. They're just rocking it. Me against the world, brother fucking just going to town we have all these fucking dudes in leather uh they have like demon faces and they have perfectly uh groomed hair over their demon mask and just singing the town me against the world they're singing singing all these kids are going wild and at first i was thinking like is this how guar was formed like i would say that's exactly how guar was formed yes they just uh, transformed into a little bit more heavy metal and i was thinking yeah. too like you ever heard that band um i think they're called lordy yeah. What do you think? Who do you like better, Lordy or Guar? No, I like Guar better. I'd say so too. Even though Lordy, they they're have like some my hometown stuff. heroes, though. You know, Guar is from Virginia, so they're like, uh, you know, they're uh, they're hometown for me, kind of. Yeah. But the the so this is like this had to be like a bootleg Guar almost because Guar does have a lot better like uh <laughs> fucking uh you know demon faces and costume designs during this time. But that's what I was thinking a little bit. So we see this guy like. He was like watching this band, and like I don't know if he was like masturbating watching them or something, but he looked like he was having a great time watching this band. <laughs> and then we got oh, like yeah. these cops come up, like, "Hey, what are you doing?" It was like, "We're we're here to shut this show down and everything." I guess like the guy watching it was like the club owner. That's the only thing I could think of. And then the cops open the door, and we find out all these people in the audience turned into demons. Yep, and they attacked everybody. So this is when we get some, I think there were Ferraris. Were they Ferraris? I, or, go ahead. I was wondering about that. I'm not sure. They're either Ferrari. I can't, I think they're Ferraris, but I'm not sure. So they drive up in but they look awesome, though. or Lamborghinis. Yeah. Like I, I, I should have contacted my car friend. He would have known. But like he, like they, they like, they're, I thought they were either Lambos or Ferraris, but they look fucking awesome. They're like these 1988 fucking Ferraris or Lambos in there. Like we know shit's going down. It's like. We're getting the the setup that this is like a quiet town, I guess, and these Lambos just coming through. And during this, we, we we're meeting some of the cast now. So we have Tina, we have Jenny, and we have Johnny. 
okay? And all three of them are at their homes and they're discussing with their parents, hey, this Black Rose is coming to town. Um, and they were just kind of getting like hints like this is like very rare for this particular town. So we see a bunch of, I guess, I don't know if there are groups of black, or black roses, but a bunch of people putting flyers around town. Just like all around town to, hey, come join us and Black Roses, we're playing. <laughs> you know where they're playing, John? This this very famous band who never toured anywhere except for one time. They did one tour and it was only it was a a, a mystery tour. And we're gonna be going to Mill Mill Basin. Mill Basin High School Auditorium. And for for very uh, uh cheaply priced, we have dates of April 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. Yeah, they're playing four nights. Four nights. Mill Basin Gymnasium. <laughs> I mean, fuck. Like, okay, so I'm thinking, okay, this is, uh, so this is actually April of 1987. And I'm, uh, I guess I'm in high school, because this is a high school auditorium. And I'm like, fuck yeah, there's a band coming over here. I'll see them and shit. You know what I mean? Like, this fucking quiet town, we don't get nothing. So I could see how all these kids were very excited. And then during this time, the parents... They're not so excited. So, so and this is when we meet the the teacher, the main guess, character of our story, Matthew. Um, he is... So I thought he was a philosophy teacher, but I think he's like a poet che- teacher. He's a poet, I guess, yeah. Well, yeah, so he, they talk about him being a... Or well, I guess they don't mention it, but they kind of imply that he teaches poetry. So I guess this high school had a had a class that was just all about poetry yes and he's going on about like what evil is and we're just getting some hints of what this movie is going to become so we, we get some like how is evil perceived and everything and then jenny brings up like you know evil is like a like a two-way street they they then they she bring up like black roses where you know black roses is a really cool band that's coming to this town the parents are trying to they they think black roses and heavy metal is evil and they want to take that away from us but they're being, you know, it's, they're not evil. They're just like a very good, you know, there's like evil bands back in their days too. So there's like a little bit back and forth discussion um, about uh, the Black Roses kind of coming to town uh, during this time. So let's see. So when they're going back and forth, this is also to Johnny's asking him. Um, well, Matt is asking uh, Johnny. Um, to kind of like they, 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 we're basically getting the, the notion that the kids want to go see this rock and roll band. The parents want to stop them. So it's a whole argument of where every generation, the uh, music comes along, and the generation beforehand thinks the music either sucks or they don't get it or it's evil and it's right in the kids' minds. But at the time, the kids are loving that because they like to be a lot of rebellious. So we're getting that. That's kind of like the main, I guess moral to the story if there is one i guess so yeah it's kind of like a satanic panic sort of influence too like and you know around this time in the 80s like they had um uh a lot of people well i will just put it out there a lot of people made a lot of money traveling around to churches and plays and schools charging to uh, you know churches and schools to talk about the evils of uh heavy metal and how evil it was and how satanic it was and 
later on they switched that over to Magic the Gathering and Pokemon cards, I guess. But that's where they make their money now, I think. But but yeah, there was, so there was a lot of that during the 80s. So now you have all these like heavy metal is evil people traveling around. And I think this is kind of like, you know, um, feeding off of that, making a movie based on, on that kind of thing that was going on at the time. It was really common. Yep. And this is when we get a little bit more discussion. Uh, so the Matthew guy is just saying like, hey, just keep an open mind. The parents just want what's best for you. Uh, the kids are just like, yeah, they just want to like ruin our fun. Um, and then we also see during this time that we meet a character named Julie. And she is very big fan of Matthew, our teacher. So, and we're getting like the hint that they're like, like, like they actually have something going on because Matthew, yeah. his favorite te- his favorite student is Julie, and Julie like really likes Matthew, and it's not necessarily like like sought out that they're they're not fucking around, you know? So, yeah, it never it never sp- it specifically says they're not. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of, and definitely it's kind of implied a couple of times that they are kind of fucking around. Yeah, which we're just gonna have to assume that since we are in high school, that everybody is a senior in this movie. <laughs> if not then uh, i don't know if we're in trouble for watching this movie or not okay <laughs> we're going to assume that julie is over 18 through the entire duration of the show yes her and everybody else who shut off their uh, titties <laughs> <laughs> so this is when we get uh johnny's talking to his dad about the concert and john's like yeah i got tickets to the concert and then the dad's kind of like hesitant at first but then he says some other kid got tickets so the dad was cool with it so because if some other kid is doing it, then it's probably fine. Yeah, that's okay then. Um, so this is when we get all the parents at a town meeting, and we have uh, a find out the better. It's going to be uh, Janie's mom is like the super religious conservative lady. She's going on like these guys are devils. Uh, just look at the guy's name. His name is Damien. Uh, look at this freaking picture of this really corny looking skeleton. Alright, then he starts the, <laughs> the best part's when she starts reading the lyrics. Which I could see like a lot of religious people do it nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's saying, Come he's gonna torture our show and not pray to Jesus, you know, stuff like that. I didn't write everything she said down, but it's very funny about all the yeah, like the you lines. Sh- you, we should have written those lyrics down because they're pretty yeah. hilarious. But yeah. uh but when people watch the movie they can see them. It's it's pretty the the lyrics are pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's mostly just about like we're going to be partying and dropping down to our depths of souls and stuff like that. So maybe I, maybe what I'll do is uh, I'll just play a clip of it. If I can find it, I'll play a clip. So it's, it's definitely pretty funny how much she's reading the lyrics. Because I can see a lot of like religious groups doing that. Like imagine going through a behemoth album and reading those lines. That should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get, now we meet the mayor. The mayor's name is Bill. 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 Hey, Bill. He is all four Black Roses coming here. He's like, listen, yeah. guys, because obviously, I mean, it's not it's not said, but obviously, them coming here is just going to give him some money. But basically, it's going to make the town be a little bit more recognized. And he's like, listen, guys, we got to keep an open mind. We don't know if this band is going to like, you know, just because it's a band and they're rebellious and they had long hair. Hey, we had long hair. Remember Elvis? Uh, remember, remember the Beatles? I remember you like yeah. Beatles. That they were rebellious too. And so he's trying to like defend it where it's just this this is just the the new age kids music. This is just what they like. This is what it's like now. 
Which, I mean, like I said before, like, it's been like that. Like, you know, when people had Elvis and Beatles out there, a lot of people, like, the older generation before then was, like, getting onto them. Like, these guys are ruining rock. They're ruining everything. It just keeps happening. So, so is this how we look now, James? Like, when we're talking about, like, when I come, you know, when I'm screaming about, uh, you know, Billie Eilish and all this kind of bullshit that's popular now, is this how we come across? Hey, maybe. Well. Maybe. <laughs> it could be because... I don't, I don't really, I, so kind of, so that, that's more like hip hop though, you know what I mean? Well, so it's that's like a, true. It's a that's little true. different. I was, I was trying to think of a, a current rock band, but I can't actually think Yeah, of me one. either. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I, 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 I got you, I, I got you one. there were new rock bands. So either, I think like that band a lot of people like, like Black Veil something, Black Veil, you know what I'm talking uh, about? Black Veil Brides? Yeah, Black Veil Brides. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good example. There you go. We would so be like we, all these like emaciated like yeah Gen Z emo kids that are listening to Black Veil Brides or whatever. Yeah. So like that's how we come across like when we're we're uh, listening to Behemoth, yeah. which is real music. Exactly. And then all these like little emaciated kids are listening to Black Veil Brides. Yeah. What a or, bunch of pisses. Uh, what a bunch of pussies. So, I mean, um, yeah, we definitely be like that. Like, listen, these fucking kids out there with their fucking hair and makeup. Back in my day, brother, we had real hair and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, back to the story. Back to the story. Um, so, this is just basically the... So, the, the, the biggest thing is the, the parents and everything, they they want um, the mayor to stop the show. But the mayor's just like, hey, keep an open mind. So I think he invites all the parents to come out to the show to, just to see what it's like. And then and then Matthew walks in, and then the mayor kind of puts him on the spot, too, saying, like, hey, what do you think about this, Matthew, and stuff. And he's just like, oh, we'll just see what happens. Keep an open mind. So during this time as well, too, um, Johnny is getting a little ring bunches. So Johnny likes Julie, okay? And he's, like, walking around. He's walking around with Julie saying... I know you like that Matthew guy, and everything. this is what it's really implied that Matthew and Julia are like doing something because, like, I know you're with that Matthew guy and all this stuff, and and he's like, I just want to like get out of this town, and apparently Johnny's mom left him, and so he just has his dad, and he's just kind of like heartbroken about it, and so he just wants to paint the town red. All right, so he just wants to paint everything red now. So he eventually, and then during this time, Matthew was just walking around town. And then we see Johnny with the red paint. He's about to splash yeah. it over some building. Yeah, he literally wants to paint everything red. Yeah, re- yeah which right. I thought that was really weird because I thought that saying meant something different. Like I thought it was like a that was like that's like a that's like a cliche, not a cliche. What is a cliche? But it's like a saying that means something different. But then he says, "I want to paint the town red," and then he's like literally painting the town with red paint, which I thought was really really weird. <laughs> yeah, so he, he got his knife. Gets the paint out. They hear some footsteps. It's Matthew walking up. They drop the mic. They leave. Matthew finds the paint. He finds the knife. And then he sees, uh, uh, looks across the street. He sees some smoke come out. And we see our first appearance uh, by a little bit of the band member, Damien. And he walks back in. Teacher's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then we're back at school now. So this is when we get on to the teacher saying, you know, everybody's responsible for their actions. Um... This is like, he's just giving a lesson about, um, basically it's just kind of like warning Johnny, don't be too reckless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't be too reckless here. And he, he knows that he was about to do some tear around here, do some, do some stuff. And Julie kind of confronts, 
um, Matthew after this, and they kind of like, it's just a weird relationship between these guys, okay? It's like a teacher and student relationship that you know eventually it probably would have went somewhere. Um, and then Julie goes up to John saying, hey, the teacher knows, Matthew knows that you were going to be painting their town red. John's like, ah, fuck him. <laughs> Pretty much was like All that. Right. Ah, fuck him. I was going to do what I want anyway. I'm not going to let this town hold me back because he feels like the town's holding him back and stuff. And this yep. is when he gives a whole story about his like mom leaving and you know that he's just on his own. And he just wants to make something of himself. So, for, for, so in Johnny's mind, by Black Rose's playing in his small town at a high school gym, he is now going to be a better man and a better life now. So that's his that's his moral. Like he's gonna be something now because Black Roses is playing in this town. So, all right, let's see what we got here. Okay, so we're at our first show. Yeah, buddy. And everybody's sitting down in the seats. We had the mayors over there in the background. Uh, Matthew comes up to to talk a little bit about uh, back and forth in the background. Um, and then uh, the band comes in. We have Black Roses' first concert. And it's yeah. all about, like, my hometown. Well, <laughs> yeah, he comes out and he's like, and they're all not clean cut, but they're all like super mellow. And he's like, I want to, mm. Damien says, I want to sing a song about my home or my hometown or something. And they seem mm. seen this ridiculous ballad about where he's from. I kind of liked it though. Like, I'm not going to lie. This not song was pretty song. cool. My hometown, brother. Yeah. Maybe I'll play a little bit of it. I'd like to sing a song about my home. Not what I expected at all. seen enough. I don't expect any trouble here tonight. But I better take my leave of these parents of paranoia. Ellen, are you satisfied? Well, they are awfully loud, but uh, the children do seem to be enjoying themselves. I don't suppose there's any real harm to them. Well, you know, every generation had their own music. Remember the Lindy Hop? Oh, my ear. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> All right, so when this is going on, the mayor thinks that everything's good now. He's like, okay. And then he, he talks to the uh, the super religious woman, Jenny's mom, and she seems to be cool with it. And then he brings up some joke. And then the mayor, um, he's going off with Matthew, and they're about to go drink some yep, beers. Yep, they're about to go drink. And then, when all the, and then during this time, Matthew kind of looks off, and then we see 
Damien, while he's singing, like, stare right into his eyes. He's just waiting for him to leave. And then once he leaves, the leather comes off, brother. And we start, we got leather, and we have Cheetah Crotch. Fucking making it happen, bro. The lights go out, they come back on, it's all, it's straight Cheetah Crotch. Straight Cheetah Crotch, brother. And uh, the song they were playing during this one was good, too. They're just getting the crowd all wild, and everybody's getting all wild. I was like, yeah, this is where the, (laughs) once the parents leave, the fun begins. Yep. And one thing I can tell you about this scene, too, as there is no one in this uh, in this scene that's actually playing anything. Yeah. Like I'm not even sure that guitar player knows how to play guitar. Like I, he's like he's barely holding it right, and there's no way that he's playing any chords or strumming the guitar whatsoever during this scene. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, because uh, even though the songs were all made by King Cobra members, I don't think any of them, besides maybe a couple, were on the stage. But the main actor who played Damien wasn't. Um, it wasn't the. Um, Really? Yeah, the main who played Damien wasn't um, the Matthew guy. Okay. Um, uh, I know that the drummer in that band is the drummer for King Cobra. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, maybe yeah, I just th- assumed that the singer was the singer from King Cobra. But yeah, I did too. I think he just did the voices, I guess. Yeah, so, I mean, it would make sense that they would get an actor, though, right? It's yeah, not, and it was Mark Free, guy. Mark Free, which is now called Marcia Free. Um, so there, that's the, the King Cobra singer, but I don't, I don't think she was in the, the movie at all. It was, uh, it was this other guy, Sal, Sal, yeah, who played makes, the Damien. Makes sense. Yeah. So after the show, uh, we get the kids, they look like they're hung over. So I'm like, fucking, did somebody pass out shots at this show or something? But we find out later they're, they're getting their energy drained. But the teacher's kind of like, okay, everybody's just tired from the show and he wants to talk about life. So he brings up. Uh, Ralph, he keeps bringing up all these fucking poets like Ralph Emerson. And yeah, so it, so interesting. So remember when you were saying that you thought it was a philosophy class? Yeah. So he's talking about American trans, transcendentalism, which is a philosophical movement. So maybe it is a philosophy class, and he's just using poetry to explain philosophy in different ways. Because the idea behind trans... I can't say that word very well. Transcendentalism mm-hmm. is that, you know, Thoreau and Emerson were both transcendentalists and they, um, they, uh, they basically kind of believe in quick and quickly, they kind of believe that in the basic goodness of humanity, that humanity is basically good, even though there's a lot of evil in the world, which is kind of starting to play into the story that we have. Yes, yeah, so, so you know he's talking about the basic goodness of the world, but then there's this underlying evil that's in the town that they don't kind of know about yet. Yes, there's a lot of deep hidden meaning in Black Roses, not just hair and cheetah crotches. There's more. No, exactly. So Tony, uh, he doesn't know what to do with his life, and Tony is like the guy. I'm from New York, brother. All right, he's the uh, he's the Fonz of the group. Uh, he and he just doesn't know. He doesn't think Emerson's gonna help him to get a job or tell him what to do with his life. And then uh, Tony says, "Well, how would Emerson feel about you, Matthew, being some school teacher?" And Matthew's like, "Well, I think he would just judge me if I'm doing a good job or not at being a school teacher." So we're seeing that I guess uh, Matthew's first choice wasn't to be a school teacher. He didn't really. So we get that a little bit later on too, but. I don't know what he was beforehand. They didn't really say what he was beforehand, but he wasn't a school teacher. I think this is kind of like a new thing for him. Yeah, my, I, I kind of took that he used to do something different, and then something happened, and he and he ended up becoming a school teacher in uh, Mill Basin. Yeah, we should do a we should do a film about uh about Matthew, like it's a prequel that tells Matthew's story and how he ended up there. Oh yeah, yeah, we could tell his backstory with Priscilla. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. A prequel to Black Roses. 
Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Uh, what's it? What's it? Uh, negative rose. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this is when Matthew. He's now. I guess the guy was a principal. He was talking to the principal now, saying like, "I think I'm losing these kids. They care more about this rock concerts and my fucking boring poetry. How can I get them back?" And I think like I, he says like I think like um, I was. He said like a weird line like I was worried about the days the kids just worried about homework. Now they're just worried about going to this Black Roses concert and stuff. And the principal's like, ah, they can't be too bad. The kids just want to watch their rock and roll. Why don't you go talk to the Black Roses and see if they're all, you know, are they're all cool and everything. So he goes. He goes to talk to the Black Roses. He talks to the tour manager. And this is when we get the tour manager saying like, hey, this is like a big show for the Black Roses. This is just like a kind of like a warm-up tour before they start touring the world. Um... They mostly did studio albums. They had one concert overseas that didn't really go too well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I was going to bring that. I was going to ask you a yeah. question because I, I remember that as, as we started talking about it. Because he says that we've only played in the studio before, but then he does say that we played one overseas concert that didn't go that well. Yeah. So, yeah, I was wondering if that was like a weird mistake or if he was lying. No, no. That was the one they played at the beginning. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. That, yeah. So, he, they, I, do, he, I do remember mentioning they played one concert overseas that didn't go very well. Yep. And then he's like kind of going on to like you know some of this you know some of the music upsetting the parents and the guy's like no we you saw last night's show like the parents are cool with our music you know what i mean like we shouldn't have any kind of rioting or we shouldn't have any kind of like protesting outside because the parents like our show now yeah and then this is when he he just brings up and it's like we know about you matthew you and uh dating the the mayor's daughter and I was like, where the fuck did this come from? We didn't know anything about it. How this guy know? He's, and then they kind of look back and forth a little bit. He's kind of like, how did you know that? And he's like, I know everything about your soul and stuff. And then eventually they shake hands and he just leaves. So I thought that was kind of a weird scene. Yeah. We, there's nothing nothing suspicious about this 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 interaction, right? Yeah, not, yeah, nothing suspicious. He just randomly just knew that. <laughs> so we got our boy Tony. He's working out. All right. And then this... We get Tony's dad. Yes, of course he is. <laughs> and we get Tony's dad. And then at this time, he has a old he has a record player. And uh, for the sake of me and John, he's going to have a clips uh, speaker as well. Yep. And he's playing. Oh God, what song? He was playing a good song during this. I think he was playing is, like. Isn't he playing "Me Against the World"? Yeah, he's either playing "Me Against." The, yeah, I think he was playing "Me Against the World" at this time. It, it's either that one or the 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 soldier, um, the soldier song. Um, but I'll play whichever one he's playing. And then the dad comes in. He looks at Tony's earring. And I can't really repeat what he said over the podcast. Of no, what I was going to repeat it, so I'm glad you stopped me. <laughs> okay. like, we are trying to be as inclusive as possible. Yes. Yes, we don't want to be like that, you know, too crazy. But let's just say he made a uh, a, a, a bad a gay term. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but that line is pre- that line is pretty funny, though. I mean, if you, uh-huh. if you throw the, the homophobic slur out, it's pretty funny when he's like, uh, when he says, uh, I, and I won't repeat it so that we don't, you know, I, well, won't, I won't offend you. But he says the only people who wear earrings okay. are pirates and the F word. Yeah. And I don't see any ships outside. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good one. You know, during this time, the A's, like, you know, that, all that slang term stuff like that. They, be, you know, if you watch these movies, people are just like, they say whatever. Like nowadays, yeah, well, you would never get that line nowadays in a movie. But. Back no, then, you, like, you, you the can't time. do that these days. You yeah. wouldn't. You can't do that the, these days. But 
but yeah, I mean, back then though, I mean, you know, even like I remember specifically that, you know, that was just like a, a negative term, it's just an insult for people. Yeah. But now we've all evolved past that and you know, hopefully a lot of us have evolved past that and we try to be better people. Yes. Speaking of be better people, our boy the dad is trying to turn off the music, but the music keeps coming back on. Mm-hmm. And I guess the family just like left him there or something. Because once he tries to go turn off the record for the second time, the record is now like bubbling. Or like boiling, and yeah, kind of bubbling, yeah. And I thought uh, it was cool if you looked at the record, a little Easter egg. It said "Death" on it. Death, which is of course a really good thrash band, Death. Yep. But it wasn't a death song. It just said "Death" on the record. It just said "Death." It's literal death. So this is when we get the uh, our first dose of a demon coming out of a speaker. What do you think about this demon? I mean, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, the effects in this movie were created by a student of Stan Winston, who's like one of the greatest, you know, monster makers of all time. So I thought it looked pretty good for for the amount of money that they probably had to make this. Yeah. The only thing I knew, like, so during this uh, time period of the 80s, we ha- most of the monsters we saw were very slimy. Like, they all had, like, slime coming off them and stuff. This, These monsters just weren't slimy at all. They were just, like, just straight up puppets. So, yeah, they were like anima- yeah, like animatronics. So I thought some of them looked um, pretty good. Some of them looked like really corny, but some of them looked pretty good. Some of them looked pretty good, yeah. So this is when he grabs um, the dad and he basically brings him into the speaker, which is like one of the coolest scenes. And mm-hmm. it's like literally like like demons are coming out of this music to capture him, and then he's gone. Uh, so now we have Matthew. He is home. He's now winding down with some classical music. All right. And then this is when we get um, the kids out there and they are chanting, Damien, Damien, Damien. And Damien's around some candles with some lights on them. And then we start seeing, um, this is when we get the second concert and they are playing one of my favorite songs, Soldiers of the Night. Soldiers of the Night. And then the kids slowly start turning. This is a good song. I actually like this one. Like I said before, I'll probably be playing it during this show or after the show. We'll see. We'll see where it lands up. Um, but yeah, some of the kids, they, they still start turning. And I thought one of them just turned really funny. It's just like, hey, we're rocking. Boom, skeleton. Yep. All right. So now quickly, some kids that we re- find, found out later on was Johnny. And I didn't really catch who the, his friend was. It was Johnny and like this other guy. They're they're both have like you know like the jean jackets on right now like the pretty much the outfits that we would be wearing like the jean jackets with the skulls on them, and they broke uh, Matthew's window, and of course Matthew's all pissed off now, um, so he's uh, driving off and then Johnny's um, following him uh, behind, um, and then when Matthew's driving off in the city now the city has turned a little wild like this is basically Chicago now where people are just like fighting on the street, and. It's really weird. Like these guys came with this girl, tapped her shoulder, and just brought her away. Like <laughs> it's like a really like, weird scene. But basically, we're showing that the town is now descending into madness a little bit. So, and then Matt he arrives at the mayor's house, Bill. But of course, he is confronted by his ex-lover Priscilla. Mm-mm. Yep. Yes. And then they are going. <laughs> so this is like when it got really awkward. Okay. So Matthew's going on, hey, where's Bill? Michelle's like, why do you want to see my dad? You know, why, why don't you just take care of your kids that you left me for? 
And then, and then he goes on, like, I didn't leave you for kids. I'm just trying to help out these kids and stuff. And you just didn't understand. And then she goes, oh, yeah? Well, what about Julie that mm. you're, like, cheating me on with and stuff? I was like, okay, what's going on over here? Are they fucking or not? And then he's like, well, so, no, that it doesn't exactly happen that way. So she's like, uh. she says something about, like, what about your favorite student or something like that? And he's he's like, don't bring Julie into this. And she's like, ha-ha, yeah. you knew who I was talking about. Yeah. So that's, that's where we really start thinking that, okay, maybe it's fucking Julie. And maybe he left Priscilla to be near Julie and uh, Mills Basin. Maybe. Yeah. Kind of weird. <laughs> I'm not sure about this Matthew fella. All right, but then they get in a big fight, and then she goes on like, hey, you know, about the kids and stuff. Why would you even become a teacher? We had a good life. He's like, I became a teacher to help out these kids, to do something in my life. And I'm going to, like, just to get on to you, I'm going to go to the bar. And then he yep. leaves. And then we kind of see, it didn't, of course, Bill was there the whole time. And <clears throat> we're just seeing a little bit more of the uh, interaction between those um, uh, um Matthew and uh, Priscilla. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So this is a weird scene. All right. This is actually probably like the most fucked up scene in this movie. If you really <laughs> think about it, we have Johnny. He's home now. And he is like in rock and roll. Like he's feeling it. Like these Black Roses concerts have got this guy like a whole new life. And he goes home. He's in the bed. He looks up at the, the ceiling. Next thing you know, we get some naked chick. Just fucking get on him and they start fucking. Right, we don't see the naked girl's face during this whole nope. time. We only see her in shadow, mostly. Yes. And this is also too, um, we get, this is a weird scene too. Um, this kid is like playing with like really old like Justice League figures. Like mm-hmm. Batman, Superman, everything. And that motherfucker throws him to the fire. I'm like, you idiot. You could have got so much money for that later on. <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole. And this is, this is basically um, J- Jane. This is her brother. And then we meet the dad, uh, Mr. Miller. All right. And then we have Jane and Tina in like these like black uh, uh, rocker girl outfits mm-hmm. during this time. And they are being a little flirtatious with one Mr. Miller during this time. All right. Yeah. They just came back from the Black Roses show, right? Yeah. The second or third night, I, I think I can't. I think we're on the third night now. Yeah, we're really on the second or the third night because it said there was four nights, but I, I swear they only showed like three. But yeah, I don't think they showed a fourth concert. <laughs> yeah. So we have Jane and Tina. They they are going to be playing this game with Mister Miller called Gent. Yep. All right. Which is a card game. Yes, it's a card game. And he's really good at it. Yes, he's really good at this card game. And they are not really good at it. No. So. <laughs> So this is a weird scene too, which I thought the kid was Tony, but I'm not sure. It might have been that other guy that was hanging out with Johnny. He backs out into his mom, and she goes like flying during this time. Oh, I forgot about that scene. <laughs> she's like, well, she's like constantly bitching at him the entire time. I yeah. think it's Johnny. I think it's Johnny. No, it's not Johnny. It was uh, it was like a, a different character because Johnny, uh, he's still in the bed fucking that girl. Oh, I'm sorry, not Johnny. Um. The kid whose dad was eaten by the turntable. Oh, Tony? And Tony, it is Tony. Yeah. Okay. So Tony's sitting in his Camaro or whatever, like revving up the uh That was a badass car, engine. by the way. Yeah, it was a badass car. And his mom's bitching at him and then he just throws it in a reverse and just like runs her over. <laughs> and boop, that's it. And then um 
We are back now with the uh, Tina, Janie, and Dad. They're playing gin. Janie yep. uh, is tired, so she's going to sleep now. And the dad's like, okay. And then he's kind of wondering, why is Tina still here? And then eventually Tina, all sexually, is like, hey, Mr. Miller, uh, we could play gin, but have you ever played strip gin? Uh, Allison, have you ever played strip gin? <laughs> I have not played strip gin. But well, I, even I, can know how to play. You, I, I can tell you one thing, though. Um, if... If you're ever in a high in a, in your living room with a high school girl, and she offers to play strip gin, it's a trap. Well, at the time, Mr. Miller, uh, since he was dating Jan's mom, Mrs. Miller, he's probably hadn't seen sex in about ten years, so he was just taking what he can get, brother. He's <laughs> willing to take the risk. Now, like I said, we're gonna have to hope that our girl Tina is eighteen. Okay, so let's just. <laughs> <laughs> They, Put that disclaimer out there. Yeah. We're assuming that she is yes. 18. Because, uh, yeah, this might be a, a hard VHS to get your hands on then. <laughs> <She's> not, <right? laughs> Mr. So, Miller's also assuming she's 18. Yes. So this we're having like a cut. This is kind of like a scene back to back. We have Tina and Mr. Miller. Now we have Johnny and his dad. And this is the scene I was talking about. It's really fucked up. So Johnny just comes up to his dad. Well, he, he gets out after he's done fucking that mag magical titty girl. And he um, gets out of his room, finds a gun, goes up to his dad, and is basically like, Dad, I love you, and shoots that motherfucker. I was like, what the hell? This is some dark shit. It, is, it starts to get really dark right here. Yeah. Where his dad uh, his dad tries to block the bullet with his newspaper. Yes. And because um, he's got blood, some blood spattering. But I was like, oh, shit, yeah. this is crazy. And then this is when we get the scene of um, Tina. She is... Uh, She's pretty much winning <laughs> the strip poker because Mr. Miller was like almost down to his underwear. And then she is finally kind of losing. So she's taking her stocking off. And then she eventually takes her uh, top off. And then she starts uh, kissing on him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he started off that way. Oh, yeah. He could have. Um, I think he started off that way. And that she's, she continually loses every hand so that she ends up getting, uh, getting, getting nude with Mr. Miller and, um, under the influence of the black roses. Yes. And so this is a scene when she's taking off her time. We hear, take it off. Yeah, yeah, take it <laughs> off. Okay, so low key, I might, like, if we have some other film stuff and, like, people are taking off clothes, I might have to, like, insert that track. Because that's just, like, really funny. <laughs> That, that should be our thing from now on. Yeah. Anytime, any, any, there's any nudity in any movie, we should play yeah, it. Boom, play it, it on the there. Fucking black take it off, brother. No, <laughs> this is King Cobra. Take it off, brother. Uh -huh. So she eventually takes it off. And then uh, he uh, Tina basically jumps on him. And it looks like she's like attacking him and stuff and bites him. And then uh, he eventually passes out. Yes. So this is, we're now back in school again. Matthew is seeing the, the, class and they have all turned basically they're they're very turning into destructive teens and then they go on of how well they gotta learn about all these dead poets why can't we learn about a real poet damien he's a better damien. poet damien yeah he's yeah. a better poet than all these dead people that you're talking to me about and they all start chanting his name and um uh, matt looks on and he's like oh, okay this is probably not good so this <laughs> so this is when matt calls bill all right, and yep. he he the bill sp spills the beans that Mr. Miller is now dead because he yeah uh, he just said like <laughs> Bill was like oh uh, I think he just had a bad ticker uh -huh. and then it's like no I think these kids uh 
it's a, he's, so Matthew is basically blaming like the kids and this devil music for for having some of these uh, deaths happen around the town, like the the lady who got ran over and then Mister Miller, and then yeah. and then um, Bill's just saying like, listen, like I don't think it's like these these bands that are like this band Black Rose that's like corrupting the kids' minds. You just need to go and maybe check out a show and see for yourself. Um, to be honest with you, Matt, I think you're just an overprotected teacher who's worried about all his kids. So we see Bill still uh, still um, supporting the band. He just thinks that uh, Matthew is just getting a little bit more overprotected now for these kids. And then Bill goes on to saying, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to come to my house and I got Pris over here. He always calls her Pris. He doesn't call her Priscilla. It's Pris. I got Pris over here. She's waiting for you. And we're going to get you two back together. And Matthew's like, no, I don't want to get back together. And he's like, no, come over here. You got to be here. So. Definitely a bad sign. Yes. So this is the funny scene, too. So Jane is now with the principal. And they're going over. I don't know why she's talking to the principal about this. Or maybe he's like, I don't know if he was the principal or the counselor. Maybe he was the counselor. I'm not sure. But she's talking to this guy that earlier talked with Matthew that uh, about the dad and if and then you know jane's kind of like blowing it off a little bit that the dad died and then um the um the principal guy's just like hey just tell your true feelings just express it what can help you express your feelings she's like well i just want to open up and scream out to the world to let my anger out he's like okay that's a good idea uh he opens up the window and then he she pushes him out the window hears him scream and she's like yes that was a good that was a good scream so we see some of these kids turning to evil um, uh, bastards, killing people around the town now. So, so we're at the library now. Our boy Matthew is reading black craft magic books to figure out what is going around this town. He is yep. he is not trying to uh, interrogate the. He's not trying to see what the band is doing on their off time. He is not to trying to um, talk to kids about it. He is now studying black uh, cult light stuff to, to see what is going on, to see if you can find some magic codes to fix all these kids. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get his sweetheart, Julie. And yep. <laughs> this is really weird too. So they're going back and forth. Uh, Matthew's saying like, hey, Julie, you've just been very different lately. Um, Julie's like, listen, I... Love you, Matthew. I want to be with you. And then Matthew's like, "What? What? What are you talking about? This is not really you and stuff." Um, you know, this 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 concert's like driving you crazy and everything. And she's like, "No, so there's there's something that's like getting in between us, and I think I know what it is." And then she eventually storms off with Johnny, and Johnny's looking over there like, "Yeah, we're causing trouble." And you know, Matt was talking to her like, "Hey, you were my favorite student." You were, had a very bright future. I wanted you to go to college and everything. So we're getting a little bit more. So basically, um, Julie has a plan to eliminate somebody that she thinks is in the way of her being with our boy Matthew. All right. So now we are at the Black Roses Concert 3. So I wrote it down. So we actually are at number 3. This is when um, Damien is doing his speech. One of his many speeches. Saying, you are all my kids. Uh, let's make blood city. Uh, he has white eyes. Um, this is when he does that laugh. Ha 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 ha. Yep. <laughs> let's make blood city. 
Let's make Blood City, brother. And he goes on a bigger speech. Um, so this is a weird scene. We see some tits. Right? Oh, we do. We see, yes. We see some tits. No head, just tits. We see some hands. And then we see some hands grab the tits. And they grab them a lot. Yeah, this this scene goes on for an uncomfortably long amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just one of those scenes where like, if somebody popped into the room, like, oh, shit, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I mean it's 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 extremely long for yeah. the scene where it has no plot relevance really. And one thing we did forget to mention, Julie has a stepdad. All right. Yes. And he's a dead deep stepdad because we have to have at least one in horror movies. Yes, where absolutely. He, where the mom is like a waitress and she's working extra shifts to support, and of course the dad, the stepdad is like, oh, I'm gonna get a job and I treat your mom really good if you know what I mean. <laughs> and then, and then she eventually comes up to him because you, you could tell that they two don't get along. That's probably why. That's probably why Julie likes Matthew, because she likes Matthew because she doesn't have a father figure in her life, so she probably is attracted to older men. And Matthew, of course, likes Julie because she's a really good student. So that's like the the supposed to be the relationship between the two, but there's a lot of sexual tension there on both sides. I would say. I would um, say so. So Julie walks over to. <laughs> this is weird too. Julie walks over to the stepdad, and the stepdad's like, oh, Julie, oh, wow, you're looking good. Hey, do you want to come sit down? I was like, damn, okay. Just trying to get mom and daughter. And then um, she, uh, Julie eventually starts massaging his shoulders, and he's saying, like, yeah, you know, this is this is really good. You should do this more often and stuff. And then she eventually grabs, it looked like a giant ashtray, and starts beating him down. She so starts killing his ass. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. I mean, maybe it was, like, a huge ashtray. It was really, kind of weird, like, object that she had. Yeah. So this is when Matt wakes up. <laughs> this guy is like, oh, crap, it's 10 a.m. I missed the concert. Well, motherfucker, wasn't that your idea to go to the concert in the first place to see if this shit was going on? Not read these fucking books. Yeah, so, but he missed the concert number three. Yes, he missed concert number three. So now he runs, he runs to Julie's house. Uh, Julie's mom's there. She, she's saying, oh, I didn't expect you there. She's kind of like in shock. She's like, the police was supposed to come here. My husband died last night. Um... And then um, Julie's mom is like, Matt, no, Matt was like, where's Julie? Oh, she's been missing. I can't find her anywhere. And he's like, I'll find her. And he jumps out and drives on his car again. So now we have Pris. Do you mind if I call her Pris or Priscilla? Uh, Pris is fine. I think that I think the audience can follow along. Yes. So we have Prince. Pris. Pris, yes. I almost said Prince. <laughs> <laughs> She fucking opens her trunk. I guess she just got done playing tennis or whatever. And she goes, this is, this is a crazy scene too. She goes into her car and then boom, Julie pops out. And she's like, oh, aren't you one of those Matthews little kids? And then fucking Julie just comes out and slits her fucking throat. But they, yep. I think they cut a little too fast over here because I think I saw a version where they actually showed like the whole um, throat being cut and blood come out of it. So, I don't know. So, we, we might have a censored cut of uh, Black Roses? Maybe. Because we watch this, everybody. We watch it on Shudder. So, Shudder. You know, um, you know, if you look, look it up, you can find it somewhere. There's a couple yeah. ones that might be hard for us to find later on when we do reviews. But I try to at least make them, like, kind of easy to find so guys can follow along. So, now... Um, <laughs> the, so, after Julie, so, now um, Matt is looking out, looking for Julie... Um, no, no, Matt now goes to Priscilla's house and he knocks on the door and everything and he's like, crap, she's not here. So he drives off again. Um, so now when Matt gets home, Bill calls. And this is pretty sad. Bill's like, hey, uh, she, uh, her car exploded. 
He's like, what? He's like, my, my baby girl. Pris, her car exploded. My baby girl's gone. And he's like, it's like, Matthew couldn't really believe it. It's like her car just randomly just exploded and stuff. Um, so then Matt hears a knock at his door and it's our girl, Julie. She has now appeared at his door. And this is when we get uh, Julie saying like, I took care of all the stuff that could be distracted from us. And Matt's like, what the hell are you talking about? And they start making out. And he didn't he didn't uh, get her off right away. You yeah, know he I mean? didn't fight it. He didn't fight it at first. Yeah. And like he was like kind of trying to fight it, like saying like, oh, we, we shouldn't be doing this. I'm like a father figure to you and stuff. And the next thing you know, she's starting to go for the, you know, she's starting to go for the Matthew, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he wasn't stopping her at first, but then he's just like, wait, this is wrong. Did you just fucking slaps her? <laughs> and then when he does that, she starts to slowly transition to a demon mm-hmm. with the teeth and the eyes. And then she eventually turns into some sort of like pterodactyl without its wings demon looking yes. thing. And then they fight throughout the whole house. Um, what did you think about this demon? I thought this one looked kind of corny. Yeah, this is. I was going to say that too. This is the only one I didn't really like. And I think that's because they showed it too much. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this is a really long like scene. Something, yeah, if you have something that, if you have an effect like that and you don't show it, if you don't linger on it, then it looks better than if you do. It gives the audience a chance to find flaws in it. Kind of like with Blood Rage. So like the scenes in Blood Rage, the gore effects in Blood Rage, when they just kind of showed them for a second or two and then and went off of them, they looked great. But then when they when you had to look at them for a long time, you started seeing like, okay, this doesn't look very real. Yeah. And then this demon was the, kind of the same way. Like, you know, you had to have this climactic fight between, uh, you know, Matthew and the demon. But when you see the demon too long, it just kind of looks literally like a puppet. Yeah. I like when he started punching it and, and like hitting it with like a like a rocket and stuff, and then he eventually just stabs it. I was like, okay, this demon didn't really do anything either. It was like, okay, it just like it was like like an uncoordinated demon just falling yeah, down. He didn't do anything. Yeah, the the control of this demon puppet was not uh, exact to say the least. So we are now at a Texano gas station. Have you ever been to a Texano gas station? I don't think so. So they have a lot of those in Texas. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, shit. There we go. So our boy uh, Matthew is there. He is now getting gas, and he is getting those uh, flares, those little flares thing. So we can tell what he's planning. Mm-hmm. So we get uh, – so now we got – we're back at the Black Roses concert. I guess this is the last one. This is number four. And they are full on, like, leather, cheetah crotch – makeup like they look pretty good like they look like they're about to rock this place we had like you know they kind of look like they they weren't full they weren't full kiss but they were like half kiss during this time so yeah i would say so half, he, half kiss yes he was giving his speech like the black roses will rise you are my children of evil stay with me my children worship your master uh we are the soldiers of death uh we are the soldiers of evil worship your master Worship your master. He kept saying it the whole time. Worship me. Worship me. Um, and then during this whole speech, Matt creeps in. Because uh, all the kids, their eyes is on Damien doing his speech. And Matt creeps in. I think, was the girl like hugging up on his crotch? Was that Julie? Or was that Jane? I could, I think it was Jane probably hugging up on his crotch. I, think so. I don't think it's Julie. Yeah, because I think he, he took care of her. His favorite yeah, student. Yeah, he took care of Julie. So <laughs> he starts pouring the uh, gasoline on the stage. And eventually Damon looks over. He says, you, get him. 
Uh, and then during this, all the uh, the kids start Matt. They bring him over to Damien. And then Damien goes on this speech like, you were the best. You're the best I've ever encountered. I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking best? He's even encountered. It's like, you thought these kids were yours, but all these kids are mine now. And then um, he starts to slowly transition into his demon form. So, So do you think, I guess Matthew was the only person ever to figure out Damien's plan, even though this is the first time he's ever toured, besides that one failure of a tour. But yeah, he's the best that's ever trying to stop him. Well, I just kind of took that as like, he's like this um, timeless or like ancient like demon who's who's done this before in different forms, but he's just using like heavy metal now to do it. But you know, he's like, this is, the, but Matthew is the, 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 the person that's caught on the quickest to mm-hmm. what he's trying to do. That's what, that's the way I took that, basically. Gotcha. That sounds a lot better than mine, my explanation. So, Damon turns into his full demon character now. And this one looked okay. It kind of looked like something from, like, a Scooby-Doo uh, monster. Yes. <laughs> but um, all the kids start turning into their demon forms as well, too. Uh, eventually, Matthew gets the upper hand, starts knocking the kids around, and then he goes into a back-and-forth fight with Damien, and eventually he was lucky enough to get a, a flare, and he starts lighting the stage on fire, and the demon is like, when I was watching, I didn't even see the demon get light on fire once, but apparently, like, everybody, the kids start coming back to the right mind, and they start fleeing the um, auditorium. We see the police out there, with the police officer out there as well, too. Um, the guy goes on saying, you know, oh shit, Matthew was right this whole time. I think it was Bill, actually, what, who it was. Saying, oh shit, he was right this whole time and everything. And then the craziest scene I caught really fast was like when Johnny came out of the um, the place when he wasn't under his trance anymore. He's like, what happened to my dad? What happened to my dad? I was like, motherfucker, you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. So, so this is then when we get, um, you know, like the, the whole band, I guess, is on fire now. All the kids are coming kind of back to life. Tony, for some reason, has his arm on fire <laughs> during the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and then like Bill's going on like, oh shit, this was a nightmare and stuff. And then after this, we get the cop guy, his name is Neil. So he was like, like we didn't see too much of him during this time. We only saw him at a little bit of the beginning and then at the end saying like, oh crap, this guy Matthew was right the whole time. And, you know, at least we got all the kids out and hope the town could go back to normal. But then we get Neil and Matt back at the their house. And they're watching the news. Uh, the news is going on saying like, Coming up pretty soon, this very famous band called Black Roses. They'll be playing at Madison Square Garden. And after that, they're probably going to be doing a overseas tour as well. And then Ooh. they're looking at and Matthew and all them's looking like, oh, shit, I thought we killed those motherfuckers. And then we get a scene that says evil. And then we start rocking out at the end of the film. Yep. So it sets us up for Black Roses 2. Ooh, Black Roses 2. That's... Which, which doesn't <laughs> exist. But maybe we can make that too. Maybe we can make uh, Black Roses too. Yes. And then we can, ma- and we could also make the prequel about uh, Priscilla and uh, uh, Matthew. Matthew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. Both uh, could be on uh, straight to VHS as well. Oh, they definitely would be. So not not DVD or streaming, just VHS. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Uh, no Blu-ray. No 4K. No DVD. Not even streaming. It'd be straight to VHS. <laughs> yeah. Straight. Straight. Straight to VHS. So. What did you think about this one? I so I'll, I'll get my. I think you said you've seen this before, right? Before we did this review. 
Uh, actually, no, I had not seen this. I thought okay. I had, but I don't think I've ever actually watched this movie. I remember it being in the video store, and I remember it having this really cool embossed cover. So, like, you know, like that movie poster that we saw with the guitar and the black roses on it? Yeah. So, like, on the on the original video cassette of this, the cover was, like, the roses and the guitar just, like, they were, like, stood they were they stood out like they from the cover and it was just really cool it just really it just looked really cool but i don't think i'd ever actually seen this movie yeah i mean this is my first time watching it too um when i was so how i found out about this movie was i was watching something on shutter where they're doing like a countdown of like some like rare 1980s horror movie they talked about this one, Black Roses, and I was watching it, and I we were doing this you know, podcast. I was like, this would be perfect because this mixes both the heavy metal music with a horror movie, so I thought it would be really fun. But I actually kind of really enjoyed this movie. I thought like the, the music was good. I thought the, the actual plot line wasn't as corny as I thought it was going to be coming into this movie. Um, some of the acting was like, oh, it was okay, I guess. You know, they didn't have to do too much craziness. I thought the main character, Matthew, was okay. He had like a kind of an interesting backstory you kind of want to go on. Like, they could have made a sequel of this one. You know, like, like we're saying, we could even do it. Um, but I actually thought it was pretty good. Like, some of the, the puppets were like, okay. I thought some of them looked a little corny um, and everything. But uh, this one is definitely a fun one. I definitely recommend everybody checking it out. Um, yeah. I like this movie, too. Yeah, I, thought, I, has, I mean, I thought it was a lot better than I expected. Yeah, and it had, like, a really good soundtrack, too. I mean, like, I mean, this is this is definitely one that we would have picked up the VHS. We've been rocking out, uh, probably at the mansion, uh, eating some of that uh, Pizza Hut pizza, drinking some of that Budweiser, brother, fucking rocking out to Lizzie Borden, me against the world, you know how it is. So, but yeah, definitely everybody, Black Roses, definitely a fun one. This is the Retro Blood. This is going to be ending our November month. And when we come back to you next month, we are starting the Christmas time horror evilness of December. We'll be back with you with Silent Night, Deadly Night 1. And of course, we got Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 coming up, Blood Beat, and Christmas Evil. So definitely going to be a jam-packed month for the Retro Blood. Um, I'll probably be playing some other episodes too here for some specials as well but uh do you have any final words before we we head on into the night um with our boys black roses nope i just say sign up for shutter and watch black roses because it's it's actually pretty good yes and everybody join our facebook page i have a couple extras on there and how about we leave you with track number 10 from uh black roses soundtrack this is hollows eve d-i-e See you later, everybody. Rock on. Ha, 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 ha.